This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lummer, and thrilled that you're here today. Thank you so much for downloading this episode, this show, supporting the show. Thank you for all the amazing reviews and ratings and for taking the time to do that. I'd love to start the show with that because honestly, I mean, without you guys doing that, there's no show. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm very, very happy that you're here. And I have some great stuff to talk about. Before we jump into the show, I do have a very important announcement, and that is that tomorrow, at the time of this recording, coming out, tomorrow will be July 10th, and it is day one of four webinars that I have coming up. So tomorrow, Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I will be doing the first of four webinars on how to revive your life after breast cancer. Some great stuff in this webinar. I'm going to be talking about my four pillars of breast cancer recovery, why they're important, what's within those pillars, and how they serve you as a foundation to creating an empowered life. So please register. Go over to thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash revive and grab a free seat at the webinar. There's four different days, four different times. So hopefully you'll find something that works for you. And I will have special bonuses for those of you who come to the webinar live because, not only because I appreciate you being there and taking your time for that, but July 11th, Saturday, is my nine-year survivor anniversary. So this round of webinars is something that's really special and important to me. And I'm doing them because I really want you to learn and hear information that'll make your recovery even easier on you and you won't have to go through as much of the struggle as I did and as so many women do after breast cancer treatment. So if you tried and you found that there was a problem, there was a glitch in the system at one point and it wasn't allowing people to register. So it is fixed now and you can join and grab a free seat at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash revive, R-E-V-I-V-E. All right, you're going to love it. And so let's do this. All right, today's show is really cool. And I want to give you a little history. Every month in my Empower membership, Empower is a membership group I have for those women who have completed the Revivify coaching program and want to continue with more personal development, life coaching. It just takes people a lot deeper into the things that we need to dig deep into. Every month we focus on a specific topic that creates more feelings of empowerment, more space for self-care, more focus on connection and understanding what we need to support our healthiest and most fulfilling life. So this month we're working on creating space for abundance. 
And that means getting rid of the clutter in your mind, your body, your relationships, your environment, everything. So as I was doing research and preparation for this month's lesson in Empower, I thought, you know, this is some very important stuff to talk about, especially as I do come up on opening Revivify, which will open for enrollment tomorrow, July 10th. And that's important because one of the foundational pillars of the Revivify program is release. It's the first pillar. So I wanted to talk with you today about the cost of clutter in your life. And I don't mean just how much it costs to buy stuff. I mean that what we're thinking that leads us to accumulate more than we need or more than we want in our bodies, our minds, and our lives costs us in many different ways. So even if you consider yourself a quote-unquote neat freak, don't stop listening because even actions like keeping your environment super clean and super neat can have roots in a cluttered mind. So stay with me. I bet there's going to be some nuggets you can pick up here too. All right, I'd like to start with a quote from the book, The Clutter Busting Handbook by Rita Emmett. In this book, in this part of the book, she's talking about the definition of clutter and how some people disagree on what clutter really is. And I can certainly relate to that because some people like to collect things and they think their collections are wonderful treasures and other people who don't appreciate collecting might think of collections as clutter. So we have different perspectives of things. And that's why I like how Emmett takes her idea a little step further in her book. And she says, stuff becomes clutter when it creates problems, stress, or embarrassment. When you don't know what you have or you can't find what you have. When it keeps you from using an intended area or thing for its intended purpose. Or when it impairs your ability to function. Now, I love this because I see a crossover in her definition of clutter in reference to stuff and how it also relates to mental clutter. So let me give you some examples. I'll go step by step through her four reasons why when something becomes clutter. So number one, she says it creates problems, stress, or embarrassment. Well, if you have Thoughts that create stress, anxiety, or that you feel embarrassed to face or talk about, you have mental clutter. If you have thoughts that are moving so fast, they keep you awake at night. It's hard for you to stay focused on one thing. You dread, dread being in silence. You're one of those people who hates yoga because at the end, they make you lay still in silence for a few minutes. And you hate it because... Your mind is too much for you to be alone with. You have mental clutter. If your thoughts aren't moving you towards your desired future vision of yourself, supportive, productive relationships, or just being able to bring you a sense of peace, contentment, gratitude for life, you have mental clutter. If your thoughts impair your ability to function in a healthy and productive way, you have mental clutter. So let's take a look at how mental clutter can result in physical clutter and vice versa. How do they impact each other? Now, the first thought that comes to mind as a perfect example of this 
is all the ways we quote unquote should on ourselves. So there was a woman in my life many years ago who lived by every socially acceptable should, right? Every should that had ever been taught to her, she kept in her mind and she tried to do all the things she should do. At the point when she was in my life, she was in her mid-50s through her mid-60s. And when I would go to her home, it was almost unbearable for me because there was barely a clear space in the entire house. The dining room table was covered. The chairs were stacked with things. Even the refrigerator was so full of food that half of it was on the verge of spoiling or some had already turned. Some of her bedroom doors only opened a crack because there was so much piled on the other side. The interesting thing was that much of her space was filled with things she believed she should have because her children, who were long since grown and out of the house, had made them or wore them or had them, or someone had given her a gift, even though she would often remark that many of the things even hanging on the walls of her house, how much she disliked them, but they were hanging there because someone had given them to her and she believed it was the right thing to do to keep it and display it in case they came into her home so they would see it. Now, there were other issues there, as you could imagine, and there was other reasons she kept stuff. And I could go on, but I won't because I'm sure you get the point. The point I'm trying to make is that the thoughts of what she should do, she should keep, she should have, were so full in her brain that they reflected in her home, in the environment she created for herself. And that made her home very uncomfortable. And so I could only imagine how uncomfortable her mind was. And that's what we want to get past, the discomfort caused by our own thoughts. Thoughts like, I should do this, or I'm a horrible person, I should be grateful rather than frustrated. I should be happy, but the truth is I'm not. So I keep buying crap I don't need that creates more work for me to clean, manage, work around. And worse yet, it keeps sending signals to my brain that I need to clean things up, which makes me feel guilty and reinforces the thought that I'm a bad person. What a mess, literally a mess, pun intended. In an article published by the British Psychological Society called The Psychology of Stuff and Things, I found this excerpt to be fascinating since we're talking about the way we think of ourselves. Two researchers they were looking at conducted in-depth interviews with 13 mothers, and they found that those who they labeled keepers had a hard time disposing of their children's possessions, and they used lots of different tactics to hold onto them as long as possible because they felt guilty getting rid of them. But on the other end of the spectrum, the other mothers in the group were labeled as discarders. They felt guilty because they didn't feel a need to hold on to their children's possessions, but they believed mothers were expected to feel connected and keep their kids' things in order to preserve their children's identities. Isn't that fascinating? Both groups feel guilty and we're preserving an identity for someone in a form that no longer exists. We perceive stuff as a reflection of not only those we love, but of ourselves. And that's why our home environment is often a reflection of what's happening within us. 
When we have thoughts of fear and scarcity, we hold on to things because we fear they might not be there when we need them. We hold on to the idea of who we are before breast cancer because we fear if we aren't that person anymore, if we don't feel and look and think and desire the same way, then who are we? Are we lost? Are we wrong for feeling different? Are we bad or selfish or ungrateful because we find ourselves feeling things other than what people tell us we should be feeling? That right there, that is the reason that release is the first pillar of recovery. Just like letting go of physical possessions creates space for a different flow of energy, a sense of ease and relaxation and comfort in your space. The same thing happens when you learn to let go of the expectations, the shoulds, the self-judgments, and all that crap that clutters your brain, fills the space that needs to be free to allow the flow of creativity and the sense of peace and contentment that you want to have in your mind. It's really fascinating to consider how our body, our mind, our environment, everything is so deeply entwined. So I've used a simple exercise on this podcast before to illustrate how our thoughts create emotions. So I'm going to run through it with you for a sec. If you bring to mind one of the happiest moments you can think of, and you begin to notice the physical sensations in your body at that moment while you're thinking of it, you'll get some pretty great feelings. You might feel things like lightness, excitement, inspiration, passion. But in the next moment, in this moment, if you focus on the worst, most traumatic memory you can recall in your life, you will make yourself feel horrible. You'll feel sick, maybe like you're going to throw up. You may even be reduced to tears. That is how powerful your thoughts are. And that is why it can be so hard to let go of things from physical stuff to ingrained thought patterns. Let's apply the same exercise I just talked about to your stuff. So think about your closet, attic, garage, junk drawer, basement, your purse, whatever. Whatever space you keep the, I might need this someday, things. Now imagine that I'm standing there with you right now and I have no emotional connection to your stuff. And I say to you, all right, girl, we're going to purge now. We're going to get rid of some of this stuff. What would you feel come up immediately? What do you feel thinking that? Resistance, anxiety, panic, invasion of privacy. What emotions start to erupt for you? Our stuff, our bodies, and the environment we create to live in are all tied to the way we think, to our reflection and perception of ourselves to our feelings of security and belonging in this universe and to how we feel about our life in this moment. When we lose something that we are not ready to lose, something that we perceive as a part of our identity or our idea of how things should be around us, like let's say losing a breast, for instance, it's traumatizing. And if we don't work to come to terms with how the thoughts surrounding that trauma are impacting our life, we can find ourselves very stuck and unable to get a sense of clarity or future thinking in our mind, in our life. So I had a lovely woman in Revivify and 
we were talking on a coaching call as she was working on the exercises in the release module. And she told me that she was struggling so much emotionally over the loss of her breast because the particular breast that she had, the mastectomy side, was what she had always referred to as her chocolate milk side. It was a breast her children had preferred to nurse on. And that experience of nursing them was such a special time and held such loving memories. And now she felt that had been taken from her. That's a really powerful emotion. But in recognizing that, she could start then working through those thoughts and begin healing. So on the one hand, there's the need for your mind to hold on to something because it brings you a sense of security or a warm fuzzy, you know, a good feeling. And that can be from the way we identify with our body to the way we identify with our stuff. And on the other hand is the experience of surviving breast cancer coming out of treatment, feeling like you're ready to start a new chapter in your life, needing to purge. And then, like the discarding mothers I shared a story with you about a minute ago, feeling guilty because you don't want the stuff you either perceived as meaningful at one point or you're struggling because you've changed, but the loved ones around you who share your space and your stuff haven't. They're still hanging on in their comfort zone And you're feeling like saying, people, open your eyes. Life is short. The stuff doesn't mean anything. And you can't understand why they don't get it. A common experience after going through a life-changing trauma is feeling the need to purge so that you create space for a fresh start. That's why when I work with my ladies, I don't call the work of clearing clutter, throwing out your junk. I call it creating space for abundance. It's not an exercise in loss, but an exercise in creating something new, space for potential, room for growth. And in the process of clearing out the physical clutter, you cannot avoid facing the thoughts that had you holding on to the stuff to begin with. It will come up. I'll share a personal story with you. So about two years ago now, my husband and I sold our home. The youngest of our kids had moved out to go to college, and we moved from a 2,500-square-foot four-bedroom home with a big yard and a garage and a shed and an attic to a 1,500-square-foot two-bedroom condo. Now, the condo was in our, and is in our dream location, but has no yard, no garage, and I will not pay for storage units. So whatever we decided to keep had to fit inside our home, in our condo, or in a small cabinet that is right in front of our cars and our parking, in front of our parking spots. Not very much space at all. It's not even, maybe it's as large as a closet. But anyway, I don't consider myself a collector. I hate dusting things. So if it requires dusting, I don't want it. However, I love books. I love them. I love to read. I love to listen to books, take courses, be around books. When my kids were younger and they would go to their dad's house on some weekends, we were, we were divorced. I would go to Barnes and Noble, I'd buy a mocha from Starbucks and I'd spend the evening reading books. Now my dad would say that being in a bookstore would make me happier than a pig in shit and he would not be lying. So when we went to move, I had cabinets and cases and shelves of books 
that I had to let go of. I have one small bookcase in my home now. And that bookcase itself is very meaningful to me because it belonged to my paternal grandmother who I adored. And she also loved to read. So I could only keep the books that fit into that small bookshelf, the ones that were the most important to me. Now, this was a very tough process for me. And maybe you can't identify with books, but whatever it is that's hard for you to let go of, shoes or purses or whatever, whatever. That was a tough process because to some extent, I see books and being a lifetime learner as being a part of who I am. So when it came time to clear things out, I told my husband he had to stay out of my way and he needed to give me time to go through my books and figure out how to let them go. It was really a process. And what it came down to is that I had to realize My core belief is that the universe provides what is needed when it is needed. And me holding on to things I wasn't using was clogging that flow of living in the present moment. And I had to ask myself, do I really believe that? I say this is one of my core beliefs, but do I really believe that? Do I really trust in life and the universe? Or is that just what I want to think? So I had to work through that and come to the place where the truth is, it is a true core belief and I do trust. And I came to a place where I said, I've put aside what I use, what are the most valuable to me. Everything else goes in a box. I'm taking it to the library and trusting that someone else will benefit from it more than I am. Now the knowledge and the experience of the books and the stories was already a part of me And the physical manifestation, the book itself, was just a past experience that I needed to let go of. Just like the pants that are in the closet that fit when you were 30. Okay, I'll use me. That fit when I was 30. (laughs) And I keep saying, I'll get back into one day. That's the person I was 30 years ago. Today, the person that I am fits into a different size pants. And if the future version of me becomes smaller, I'll fit into a future pair of pants. I don't need to go back. I'm only interested in moving forward in this life. And you know what? I'm fine. I don't pine over what I gave away. I don't worry over what I don't have stored here in my little home. I practice living in the moment and I know I have everything I need and that I always will. So when it comes to holding on to anything, physical or emotional, I come back to what is my core belief about this life. And I ask, are my actions and the environment I create for myself aligning with those core beliefs? So let me give you some steps on taking action in your life to clear clutter in your mind and in your world. So first of all, Identify where your clutter is. Make a list. Is it clutter in your head? Is it thoughts? Is it in your body, extra weight or anything else? Is it in your home, your closet, your garage, your relationships? Do you have those relationships that don't serve you with frenemies just because they've been in your life forever? I can't tell you how many people I come across who are treated horribly by people 
And when I ask them, why do you call this person a friend? They say, they've just been around forever. Okay. That's something you need to write on the list. Is your clutter in your commitments, in your calendar? Is it your time? Where do you have so much going on or accumulating that you're not using that resource in the way it was intended because it's overfilled? Now, you get your list together and you look at that list and it may be a very big list and prioritize it from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. I suggest you start with cleaning the smallest physical clutter first because as you clear the physical stuff, the emotional stuff will come up. And if you have a really big list or if you have a really small list with really big things on it, Decide on the amount of time you'll spend each day or each week chipping away at that list from the smallest challenge to the biggest challenge. This way you can see your accomplishments without feeling overwhelmed or disappointed in yourself because you don't have to get it all done in one day. You decide how much time you're going to spend on it and then commit to that time. So it's not about getting it done. It's about spending the amount of time you committed to on it. Every small change adds up until it becomes a transformation. I love this quote from an article I read on becomingminimalist.com. The author, Jessica Malone, shares her story of how she had shed all of the beliefs and expectations that she had assumed that had been put on her through her life to discover the freedom of living with only what she truly wanted and needed and experiencing the lifestyle that she loved. In that article, she said, and I quote, clearing the space taught me how to recognize what I love, what I fear, and who I am. While I've cleared a lot of stuff, it was never really about that. It was always about what the stuff represents, unquote. Recognize the transformation that is happening within you and give yourself permission to let that reflect around you. If you would like support with that or anything else in your breast cancer recovery, I've got some options for you. Join the webinar, How to Revive Your Life After Breast Cancer at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash revive. Come to Facebook, find me, Laura Lummer, And join my free Facebook group, the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. You can ask questions and share resources and message me. Get the help you need to declutter your life. And if you're ready to dive in deep in my 10-week coaching program, open enrollment opens tomorrow, July 10th, and it will change your life. You can see some of the success stories on my website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com from women who've been in the Revivify program. It is an amazing transformation that we all go through together and it is beautiful with a lot of connection and a lot of transformation. So check that out. In fact, you can get on the wait list now at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com and you'll see it right on the homepage. And I would love, love, love to work with you. Revivify is an amazing experience for me as much as it is for anyone else who is in it. So I hope that this podcast has given you some insight, some help, some clarity, and that you'll come find me on any of those resources, Facebook, the webinar, joining Revivify, because I don't want you out there 
struggling, and suffering when you don't need to be. All right, until next time, be good to yourself, be kind to others, and I'll talk to you again next week. You've put your courage to the test Laid all your doubts to rest Your mind is clearer than before Your heart is full and wanting more Your future's at the door Give it all you got No hesitating You've been waiting all your life This is your moment